This is the Golden Ratio Wellness Podcast, and I'm your host, Rose Hollow, a board-certified traditional naturopathic doctor. For over a decade, I've been working in the field of mind-body-spirit wellness, and I'm an expert on the intersection of mental-spiritual wellness and hormonal balance. I'm the co-founder of Deep Roots Wellness, a holistic mental health practice, and founder of Golden Ratio Wellness, a traditional naturopathic practice, and the Peaceful Mama Protocol. On this show, I'll bring you simple strategies based in traditional medicine, real science, interviews with experts, and my own observations and insights from my time working one-on-one with some really amazing and inspiring women who have allowed me the honor of guiding them on their healing journeys. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm going to cover the topic of fibroids and this is topic two of a four topic series that I'm doing on endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, and catamenial epilepsy. So let's dive right into fibroids and uh that sounds not so nice and fibroids are not so nice um that is something that i have personally experienced and i can say um discovering that i had fibroids the way that i did um, by hemorrhaging was not a very fun uh experience and was definitely my wake-up call to the fact that i had pretty severe estrogen dominance and um, that was made worse by later um, being exposed to black mold in my home. So uh, fibroids are (laughs) not near and dear to my heart, but I am familiar and um, I do not wish them on my worst enemy. But if you are listening to this episode, I am sorry that you uh, have needed to seek out information to help with this. So what are fibroids? Fibroids are solid tumors that grow in the uterus and tumor is a scary word but most of the fibroids that are found are um, non-cancerous. Once in a while they can be cancerous but typically they they are not. Um, And there's usually more than one. In my case there were (laughs) quite a few, quite a few. On the ultrasound, they looked like like bubbles inside my uterus, and there were a lot of them. Um, fibroids affect four in five women, so they are pretty common. Um, sometimes they shrink or just come out on their own. Other times they grow bigger and bigger. Um, you can have multiples. They can be inside the uterus, growing on, on the tissue on the inside. They can grow in the uterine wall, and they can also grow on the outside of the uterus. So um, there are a lot of um, variations in size, number, and, and the location of these things. So symptoms of fibroids are actually kind of similar to some of the symptoms of endometriosis and if you're not um, sure what's going on with you and you have some of these symptoms you can also listen to the endometriosis 
episode, um, especially if you have a lot of uh, gut issues and digestive issues. Um, Endometriosis may also be something you want to explore. But um, symptoms of fibroids are abnormal bleeding, pelvic pain and pressure, painful sex, urinary frequency, back pain, constipation and bloating, and infertility. Um, And the funny thing about these symptoms is that these symptoms can go along with many other diagnoses, many other conditions. So you do not want to definitively diagnose yourself with fibroids if you have these symptoms. These are just typically symptoms that are accompanying fibroids. But um, I just wanted to to emphasize that um, you know if you think you have fibroids, it, it's very easy to go get an, an ultrasound to to rule it out or to rule it in. So causes for fibroids are oxidative stress. So um, eating foods that are high in polyunsaturated fatty acids can be a trigger. Uh, hormone imbalances, obviously, like estrogen dominance. And genetics can also be a factor. So fibroids are really estrogen dependent. And fibroid tissue has more estrogen receptors than other tissues in the body. And um, in people with fibroids, aromatase is overexpressed in the fibroid tissue. So it's converting to estrogen at a faster rate. Um, Or estrogen, the hormone is converting to estrogen at a faster rate than in other tissues. So it's kind of like a terrible wheel that that this hamster is running on. Um, and you will find if you, if a fibroid is removed from the body, there is more estrogen, um, found in a fibroid than like if, if the patient were to do a blood test. So it is interesting, you know, we know based on symptoms and labs and uh, with a little bit of help from the precision analytical folks, um, that estrogen definitely can be stored in tissues. And um, so lab work isn't always, even the Dutch test isn't always accurate at showing um, the true levels of estrogen in the body because certain areas can definitely have concentrated levels that isn't going to be Um, circulating freely through the blood system or uh, our circulatory system or being metabolized and excreted through the urine so or in the saliva so um, that's really um, important to consider so estrogen provides a microenvironment in which progesterone can induce fibroid growth in some cases, uh, which is really rare, but it does happen. So I would say if you 
suspect that you have fibroids, but you also believe you have estrogen dominance and you're thinking about using progesterone to treat estrogen dominance and to treat fibroids, which it does work very well for some people to actually treat their fibroids with bioidentical progesterone. There is a small percentage of people in which, um, for whatever reason, um, that the progesterone can cause the fibroids to grow. So what I think is really important is getting that baseline. Like, let's, let's get you in and get you evaluated. See if you have fibroids. You don't have to have surgery. But let's, let's just start the progesterone as a um, possible uh, protocol for, for, for supporting this condition and hopefully reversing it. And go in and have those fibroids monitored, you know, at least at first, just to make sure that they are not growing, you know, um, or, or speeding up in their growth, um, just as a preventive measure. But in most cases, bioidentical progesterone does the opposite. It, it um, often shrinks and helps, to, helps people to eliminate them. And uh, a lot of ladies will notice those fibroids coming out. Um, it's very noticeable. Um, I, I remember having that happen to myself, and it was very scary. But um, it was good to know that, that they were leaving my body so it was uh it was good but anyway so what are the risk factors for fibroids definitely age the older we get the more likely we are to develop fibroids uh if you are of a black race that can also increase your chances early puberty early menarche uh, that increases chances as well. Oral comp, comp ugh, I can't speak today. I'm sorry. Oral contraceptives at an early age. So I'm talking, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, teenage years. Um, contraceptive use really, really, in my opinion, dangerous. Um, and increasing the risk for fibroids later on. We have found that um, the use of oral contraceptives over many years can be really devastating on someone's hormone balance. And then in the um, middle to later years, <coughs> excuse me, is um, it increases your risk of stroke as well. So um, I'm really not a fan of progestins or estrogens that are um, pharmaceuticals. Oh, that's my opinion on it. Um, family history can be a factor, so genetics, of course. Also, if you have never been pregnant before or given birth, that can increase your risk of fibroids. If you have high blood pressure, there has been shown a um, connection between people who have high blood pressure and those who have fibroids. Also, a big one, just like with endometriosis and so many other uh, hormone challenges, is chronic psychological stress. We have to 
reduce our stress as much as we can and we need to really take uh, positive action towards dealing with our stress in an appropriate way. And if you don't know what to do or, or how to do that, I suggest that you work with a natural practitioner or a licensed um, counselor or social worker or um, someone who can help you with that. Other things that increase your risk, there are a lot of them, a vitamin D deficiency, phthalate exposure, PCB exposure, bisphenol A exposure, DES exposure prenatally. So if your mom was taking DES uh, when you were in her womb, you have an increased chance. Um, But that, that generation is starting to dwindle a bit, so it's not as much of an issue as it used to be. Insecticide exposure. Um, if you eat a lot of low quality meat, so, um, you know, I always tell people focus on grass fed organic meats if you can um, and avoid um, omega 3s, uh, food additives, alcohol, especially beer. Um, high caffeine intake in the research has shown to be associated with more fibroids for some reason. And um, decreasing risk. Let's talk about that. So what can we do to decrease our risk of fibroids? Uh, you can get pregnant. <laughs> so if that's If that's on your bucket list for life, um, that's definitely something that can lower the risk. Uh, Physical activity, again, like I talked about in my episode about endometriosis, blood flow and lymph flow are so important. And then eating your vegetables. I really recommend eating cooked, you know, gently steamed, softened vegetables. Um, there's a lot of work by Ray Pete and all of his colleagues and, and associate, associates on the importance of cooking your vegetables. Um, the only vegetable I really uh, encourage people to eat raw are either uh, broccoli sprouts or uh, raw carrot salad, which is amazing for helping to detox estrogen from the body. Citrus fruits. Decrease risk of fibroids, vitamin A from animal sources, and dairy products like yogurt. Now, if your if your gut is all messed up, I don't recommend dairy or yogurt right away. Work with a practitioner to get the gut straightened out, and then get your dairy. So. You have all the symptoms of fibroids, you have all the risk factors, Um, you've gone in and gotten that confirmed uh, by a doctor, and uh, you wanna test your hormones and you want a better picture of um, what's going on in the body. So I really recommend the Dutch test by Precision Analytical. And on the Dutch test, what we tend to see in people with fibroids is elevated estrogen. Um, The the funny thing is sometimes it won't show it on the Dutch test, (laughs) but based on symptoms and maybe some some 
extra testing, we sometimes see that estrogen is only super elevated during ovulation. Um, and that can be shown on the, the Dutch cycle mapping test as well. So um, if you get the Dutch and we're still like, you know, like your estrogen is low, but you're having really severe symptoms, then maybe getting the cycle mapping would be helpful for that to see if you're having really big spikes of estrogen in the, the middle of the month. Um, so elevated testosterone is another indicator on the Dutch or on hormone testing. Um, high androgens convert testosterone to estrogen, unfortunately. So um, then we need to look at like, why? Why do you have high androgens? We will also see elevated 16-OHE1, and that binds more tightly to the receptors, more growth factor, it's more proliferative. And then we are also seeing the CYP3A4 enzyme um, doing the converting. So on that Dutch test, we look at the little pie chart and the dial to see what's going on with that. Um, also on a Dutch, the quinolinate may be high. That's a neuroinflammation marker. And usually you'll see an indication that there's been a lot of phthalate exposure. So then we ask questions about, um, what has this client been exposed to? And, and let's make sure that they're not continuing to be exposed to this chemical. We also see some HPA axis dysregulation with um, people who suffer from fibroids and also typically low melatonin. So if I'm seeing that this person is um, having a lot of these, these symptoms and the Dutch and they haven't gone in uh, to uh, a conventional doctor by this time to get some um, confirmation that this is what we're dealing with. I really, really try to con convince that person at that time to go, um, especially if they're bleeding a lot and they're losing a lot of blood. <coughs> and if they have been um, diagnosed with like a traditional anemia and it stays the same or gets worse, they're feeling really fatigued and run down, this is where I would say, you know, we need to go in and just let's rule out fibroids, let's see what's going on, um, so we know, you know, what are what are we addressing here? Are we, are we going after the right thing? So what are treatments for fibroids? Now, as a naturopath, I do not diagnose or treat. <laughs> I... Uh, determine underlying conditions, look for the root cause, and then I support and balance the person. But most people refer to these things as treatments. So how, how do we address these things? Well, the first thing we do is try to lower the estrogen burden in the body. So we try to take out that trash. We detox xenoestrogens, even if estrogen comes back low on a lab test, if we know we have fibroids, we really want to 
get that estrogen out of there, get that xenoestrogen out of there. We want to lower 16-OHE1. We want to lower androgens. We want to reduce stress. We want to support the HPA axis. We want to avoid all the risks that I talked about for fibroids and increase the things that lower the risk, obviously. So um, another factor that I think is really important is to talk about estrogen specifically when it comes to fibroids because this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. So things that elevate estrogen, you know, these are like what we, what we don't want to do. Overweight, blood sugar dysregulation, PCOS, age or perimenopause, thyroid disorders like sluggish thyroid, increased aromatase activity, endocrine disruptors, alcohol, suboptimal liver detoxification, gut dysbiosis, estrogen, DHEA, or testosterone, hormone replacement therapy, and and not the bioidentical stuff, but sometimes the bioidentical stuff too. And then um, low SHBC, and that can be indicated in obesity, insulin resistance, metabolic disorder, fatty liver, PCOS, sleep apnea, hypothyroid, Cushing's disease. Along with that, we see high inflammation, high stress, and ovarian cysts. <coughs> Excuse me, my, my seasonal allergies are acting up today. But anyway, so what do we do? What do we do about this E, all this estrogen? We detox it. We get rid of it as quickly as we can. So um, DIM, D-I-M, a supplement, pushes estrogen into phase one and phase two. But I don't recommend DIM unless uh, you're... You work with a practitioner on that. Um, Look at the Dutch and make sure it is right for you. Uh, Curcumin is great for that. NAC, N-acetylcysteine. Sometimes I recommend calcium deglucurate. It gets estrogen and androgens out of the the gut, you know, and flushes it out um, into the stool. Carrot salad does a very good job of that too. And then we do a lot of methylation support. Um, And this is kind of a case-by-case thing, but I would look at magnesium, B vitamins, choline, TMG, SAMe. And then uh, we want to lower the 16-OHE1 if it's elevated on the Dutch test. So we would avoid St. John's wort, avoid caffeine, avoid smoking, pesticides, um, PAHs, which is like gas fumes, reduce smoke inhalation, charred foods, uh, limit the inhalation of cooking fumes, coal tar in, coal tars and like cosmetics and stuff, um, some shampoos, ingredients and mothballs, we would uh, look at any medications that the client might be on, uh, get an indoor air filter, um, and then 
things that would help, like foods, supplements, uh, blueberries, grapes, cranberries, they can help lower inflammation. And then to clear the 16-OHE1, if that's indicated on the Dutch test, we would definitely be um, treating hypothyroidism, which can be a root cause, uh, lowering inflammation, giving N-acetylcysteine, molybdenum uh, is a mineral that can be helpful, broccoli spout, sprouts, liver support, B vitamins, choline, inositol, NAC, milk thistle, dandelion, and getting enough fiber in the diet. And then we want to reduce phthalates for sure, for sure. BPA, PCB, remove fat and skin from food, eat whole foods, fresh or frozen, not canned fruits and veggies, limit fast food, limit use of plastic, buy in glass, avoid store receipts, avoid fragrance, clean up dust in your house, use a HEPA filter and air purifiers, get rid of air fresheners, check out environmental working groups, dirty dozen, and avoid those, and then to decrease your risk of fibroids, finally, exercise, green veggies, cooked of course, citrus fruits, organic dairy, and vitamin A. So I know that was a lot of information, and if you're left with a swirling mind, (laughs) don't worry about it. You can contact me. We can do a 20-minute discovery call for free, and it's my gift to you to talk all you want about fibroids and anything else that might be going on with your health and talk about whether uh, my services might be the right fit for you. So the link for the discovery call is in the show notes, and I hope that this episode was helpful to you. And if you know someone else who may be suffering from fibroids, definitely share this episode with them and let them know there is a natural health practitioner out there who cares and wants to help. I hope you have a really great day. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. If you're a fan of the Golden Ratio Wellness Podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it so I can reach more people with this valuable information. If you would like even more content or support, please visit my website at goldenratiowellness.info or on social media. The links are in the show notes. I hope you have a divinely balanced day.